0: You're listening to a Radio One ninety one FM podcast.
1: All right, thirst for knowledge. You know how much I enjoy thirst for knowledge seminars, the monthly inf- informal lectures at Umbrella's Kitchen and Bar. Uh, this evening's one is uh, entitled Understanding Endometriosis and I have Associate Professor Jane Gerling from the Department of Anatomy here who is giving the seminar tonight, the lecture. Ata good morning, how are you?
0: Kia ora. Kia ora, Jamie, thank you very much for having me here.
1: Uh, well thank you so much for coming in, an absolute pleasure. Uh, first off the bat, uh, endometriosis, what is it?
0: So we need to take a little bit of a step back. To answer that question. So we think I need you to visualize the uterus. Really muscular organ, about Mm -hmm. the size of your fist. Yeah. And it's lined by a layer of tissue that we know as the endometrium. Mm -hmm. And it's the endometrium that grows and develops in preparation for a possible pregnancy. And if there isn't a pregnancy, that endometrium will break down, you'll get the bleeding, menstruation takes place.
1: Yeah.
0: Endometriosis is when tissue that resembles the endometrium is found outside of the uterus and it forms these lesions usually within the pelvic cavity. And the lesions can be um, varying sizes, number, locations. They can be superficial, sitting on the surface of the organs in the pelvic cavity, so on the surface of the bowel or the surface of the bladder, for example. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they infiltrate deeply into the tissues. And sometimes you also get things that are called endometrioma, which are forming on the ovary, and there's cysts that form on the ovary. So incredibly diverse Presentation of a disease.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 like the skin, not necessarily the same. So it's not like it's growing out of the uterus and spreading. Is that the case?
0: In, no. So it's not continuous with the endometrium in the uterus. Yeah, yeah. It's tissue like little spots. If you think about it, like okay. little spots. Yeah, yeah. Tucked away in the pelvis.
1: Yeah.
0: That when they look at it, taking a slice of it, the pathologist looks at looks at it under the microscope the tissues look like the tissues you'd see in the endometrium, in the lining of the uterus.
1: And does that mean, um, depending on where it is, is a contributing factor to how painful or the stages of which it it could be? Um, Say if it's growing in the muscle wall of the uterus itself, which is something that does a lot of work, would that lead to a lot of pain?
0: So it's hard to link exactly how the lesions specifically cause pain. So the lesions are, are associated with highly inflammatory environment in the pelvis and it's potentially that inflammatory environment that continues that contributes to the pain the really interesting thing about endometriosis and what makes it really tricky as a researcher and a clinician is the number of lesions Mm -hmm. the extent of disease that a surgeon would see when they went in to look doesn't necessarily correlate with the extent of the pain so someone who has an occasional dot of endometriosis can still be dealing with really severe pain symptoms. Yeah. So th- to my mind, it means although we use lesions to diagnose endometriosis, they're not the whole story. They're not yeah. the whole disease.
1: Um, now, of course, th- that skin is highly um, reactive to hormones. Like, It does a lot of work, right? Like you said, it th- it, inside the uterus, it thickens... And then, as you said, uh, it sheds away when a pregnancy is not developed, and flushes helps flush the egg down um, the rest of the way to then have your period. Hmm. Um, is so, so? Is the uh, the spots and the legions, are they quite reactive to hormone as well?
0: Yeah, they they are reactive to hormone, but it, it's that they resemble endometrium. They're not exactly the same. Yeah, they. And the other thing about the lesions is when if you look at a whole set of lesions, from the, even from the same individual, stick them under the microscope and have a look at them, they're not all the same. They don't necessarily all react to those hormones that are circulating from the ovary in the same way. Yeah. So it's very hard to say they they don't cycle like the endometrium. Whether they do cycle, maybe some of them do, maybe some of them don't. So again, because we can't go in, and look at every single lesion and follow how those lesions change over time. The, it's very tricky to follow that and answer that question with any sort of detail.
1: I mean, what, and this is the reason why we don't, it's so unknown. It's really unknown, this, right? So, I mean, how do we go about even trying to figure out what's going
0: on? Well, I guess I guess it, it's good to know that endometriosis is getting a lot more attention than it has done. So the, the thing, because I'm... I'm a scientist, so I publish papers and I look in the database just to look at papers along the similar thing. And I did this yesterday. And back in the 1980s, 1980, there were 65 publications on endometriosis. Mm-hmm. In 2020, there are over 2,000. So the research effort worldwide is increasing massively. Yeah. And the research is diverse. You need the research from all sorts of different angles if we're going to make any progress to understanding the disease. So there's work worldwide on understanding the genetics of endometriosis, trying to find better non-invasive diagnosis, research trying to tease out what causes endometriosis, what causes it to progress thinking about how it might establish early in life before someone even starts having their menstrual periods and then there's also all the social sciences uh, understanding how it impacts on quality of life Mm. where are the unmet needs what can we do better with the tools we currently have at hand to help the quality of life of those with endometriosis
1: um how many people in New Zealand have it? I mean, how prevalent is this worldwide? Well,
0: we don't have pre- we don't have specific prevalence statistics for New Zealand yeah. that I'm aware of. Uh, but worldwide, we talk about one in ten, or ten percent, of reproductive-aged women or those born with a uterus, who will develop endometriosis. So that equates to around 120,000 individuals. Yeah in New Zealand who are likely to have endometriosis
1: So that's a massive amount of, of the population Yeah, it, it's,
0: it's, it's a big disease and unfortunately it's a disease like a lot of menstrual health issues that get brushed under the carpet yeah. It's normalised as women's pain uh, and because it's tricky as well there's no no nice, clean, neat way to say if you do this it'll go away
1: because of the whole woman's pain thing that you just mentioned, has that like lead to a f- to to um, people kind of not coming forward with this pain They think oh, this is just natural? This is just part of the cycle. Um, you know, it's just what we have to go through.
0: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But if if your menstrual periods are stopping you going to work, uh, stopping you going to school. Um, they're causing you to spend time in bed. That's not good, and it's mm-hmm. not okay. And we should be providing the help to you know support those individuals who are having to deal with what is usually a chronic pain condition.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, is there is, is there any signs that with what you might think is just a normal period, but it's not? A, oh, this is painful period, but I think it's kind of normal. Do you think if someone is having a, peri- a painful period, they should go and Consult a doctor.
0: I do personally, yeah. it, it, and if if it's if it interferes with your day to day activities, it's yeah. more than just discomfort, and it's it's holding you back. Then it is worth having a conversation with your GP.
1: What are some of the kind of early-ish signs? Because like quite the the I think from from what I've read, stage potentially early stages of it, you would never even know. It,
0: it, so in terms of the symptoms. It depends on the individual, but the young ones, for so those who are just entering, just starting their menstrual cycles, can be having pain right from their very first menstrual yeah. period. So the tricky thing is that for some that might be an indication that it's going to go on and be actual endometriosis. But we also know that when an individual starts their menstrual cycles, they can be a little bit up and down, around about, until they settle into an adult pattern. Yeah. And so the pain might be bad or they might get some heavy bleeding and it might sort of settle down but if it continues over a long long period of time then you know it needs to be explored
1: so i mean does endometriosis get triggered by the first period does it, is it not a case of having these lesions earlier than that does the pain is the pain we don't
0: we don't know we don't know so there's multiple different theories as to what causes endometriosis yeah. but in reality we don't know there are, And each of these theories are really useful in explaining certain aspects of endometriosis, but none of them explain the disease in its entirety. Yeah. And the one you hear a lot about is retrograde menstruation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, so we're going, going back to our understanding menstruation, is when the endometrium breaks down and bleeds, most of the tissue, the blood, goes down out by the cervix and the vagina and out of the body. That's what the female experiences as menstruation. Yeah, But for most if not all women you also get uh debris blood going back out through the uterine tubes through the fallopian tubes into the pelvis and it makes a perfect it's a good story it tells you how that tissue might actually get into the pelvis Mm -hmm. but why then does only a small proportion of individuals go on and get endometriosis if that is the case and also if a surgeon goes in for a second time. Because the symptoms have come back after a first surgery to remove the lesions, why then do they often not find any more lesions if you've got cycles going on that's constantly Constant, seeding? Yeah. So it's possible that things are being set up right from even when you're before you're born or an early child, that when you start cycling, that triggers the symptoms that you experience as endometriosis. So we don't know.
1: Yeah, there's a lot we don't know, so many unknowns. What about genetics? Is, is this something that can be passed on? Have we seen that before?
0: There is definitely a heritable component to endometriosis. So if your mum or your sister has endometriosis, you're also more likely to have the disease. But it's not simple genetics. It's not yeah. like you have a mutation in this gene, and therefore you'll get endometriosis. If you think of your DNA as this huge string of information, and at some spots you have variations in that information, Yeah. And that's that variation that makes us individuals. There are places along that DNA where having a variation increases the risk of endometriosis, but it only increases the risk a little bit. So it's more about how the environment interacts with the genetics. Yeah. And that's where we fall down in terms of our understanding.
1: Okay, so you so then you couldn't just find this within the genetic makeup of the chromosome, right?
0: Not a, no. no no no. It's not that simple
1: it's not simple at all
0: it's not simple at all <laughs> there's sorry there's no about. easy answers no, to I, give
1: you I'm afraid uh, yeah yeah no, that's fine but uh, I mean and that, that we should be saying sorry, sorry to you because this is your you know your work and it's uh, it, it must be incredibly frustrating um, yeah what about like, like we said a lot of it's uh, hormone triggered how, how, how this process works um, how the menstrual cycle works how pregnancy works how we all work everything about us is hormone driven but um, but you know, could that is is that an factor of how how it kind of begins and kicks off? Could that be?
0: Yes, it's possible that slight variations, subtle variations, in how we respond to hormones may contribute to the disease. We know endometriosis is an estrogen dependent disease. Estrogens, of course, they're steroid hormones. They're yeah. usually associated with females, but of course also important in males but the growth and the development of the lesions is dependent on estrogen. If you can take away all of that hormones um, then often the lesions will regress and the symptoms will so, subside but they can't do that no, because you know that's like that's if you're trying to do that it's like um, blocking your ovaries from doing what they do well, and you've so got menopause like symptoms. Well this is exactly what I was going to say. Do, yeah. does,
1: does, does, does this go away with menopause?
0: It, often does go away with menopause, but again, that's another rabbit hole that we could dive into (laughs) in terms of understanding of chronic pain and the whole sensitization of the the pain systems, which means it doesn't necessarily, or the symptoms don't necessarily go away. And again, but we don't know.
1: Yeah. If, if it is say a mother has chronic endometriosis and it has, has a girl and there's you know there is a likelihood of genetic pass down, is, is that a case of maybe doing something before symptoms
0: develop? Well, when I think about the research that I do, at the top of my list is always, however unlikely the you know that we'll actually get there is, what can we do to prevent yeah. endometriosis? And at the moment, I think that is a blue sky dream, but it's something we need to keep in mind. If and at a minimum, being able to find out what's happening in our younger, our younger girls and things like that, to to work out if there are particular groups of individuals who would be. Um, better supported if we could help and monitor and look after them at a much earlier age Mm -hmm. but it's not easy to do either
1: no what are some of the treatments we have now that there's surgery especially if you've got uh, adhesions, which is kind of like webbing um, like
0: fibrosis sticking things together yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. so surgery is a possibility um they'll go in and try and remove uh as much of the endometriotic material as they can take out lesions and things if you have lesions there's various medical therapies so pain management is important trying to manage the pain but also trying to avoid opioids as well Yeah, um, which have all their own consequences mm-hmm. um, often they'll put, hom- put an individual on hormonal therapy so the pill um, the intrauterine de- devices like Myrina uh, progestin-only pill, and again the response to that is highly variable. Individuals tolerate those sort of things in different ways. Heat packs can be really useful. Um, exercise in the right doses, diet, yeah. um, uh, pelvic pain physiotherapy can be important for some some people. So again, it's about setting up a management that's suitable for the individual, depending. On that individual, yeah,
1: because you can't. For some people, you can't just keep medicating with things that kind of mess with your hormones. All well, the time. again,
0: again, if if an individual wants to get pregnant, yeah, then hormonal therapies are not the not. Mm. You can't be using the pill if you want to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, what we there is a huge need for better, improved management options.
1: Yeah, so clinical care is there, but it's not necessarily at the level where it needs to be Mm -hmm. is that a case
0: I think so yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. and and with that and and not knowing there's the social impact not um, just the cost beared by the DHBs um, which no doubt um, uh, the the more awareness we have of it the higher the cost will be but there's the cost just of the individual uh, in terms of prescriptions costs or things like that time off work I mean if you've got chronic endometriosis, it's going to make work life quite difficult.
0: Yeah, If you're dealing with severe symptoms, especially if you're dealing with severe symptoms on a daily basis, some people have their symptoms limited to when they're menstruating, but others yeah. it's every day. Yeah. And that does put you on the back foot if you're trying school workplace, so the costs are huge. There is a study going on in New Zealand at the moment trying to tease out the direct and indirect costs of endometriosis here in Aotearoa, yeah. um, but if it's anything like the study that was done in Australia, they're talking around twenty thousand yeah. dollars per individual per year, and that's that's the cost, extra costs of medications, as you mentioned, and things like that. But it's also the indirect costs of not being able to go to work, um, lost productivity. So it is a, it's a huge cost to the individual. You know, you are trying mm. to set up to superannuation, your career, family life, and you are on the back foot. And chronic pain condition. Yeah,
1: and mental health. And mental health is huge, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, you just want it to stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you do. You want it to stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, and there's the socialising aspect to it as well, Um, not just through work and workmates, but going, seeing your friends and your family, you know, sometimes you just probably can't even walk out that door. Yeah. So that's huge. Is this something that do you think that the government is starting to take seriously, the um, uh, the, the DHBs and uh, the Ministry of Health?
0: Possibly not enough. Yeah. But possibly now is the time, with the major changes that are going on in our health system and the, the establishment of the Māori Health Authority, uh, maybe now is the time where we can really think about what what the care for those with endometriosis should look like Mm -hmm. Uh, do we need um, centres of care where people can access all the the different types of care they need from the surgeon to their pain specialist the physiotherapist, the nutritionist etc and we need to really carefully address the equity issues there's huge inequity in terms of endometriosis care in New Zealand The, the whole postcode Lottery in yeah. terms of where you are and, and what you can access, uh, not being able to you, whether you can afford to go private versus public. Yeah, of course. Um, all those sort of things, and, and looking after our Māori communities and our, our Pacific communities, where uh, you know we're just not looking after our young ones well enough in terms mm-hmm. of their mental health in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's sad because mm-hmm. that's fifty percent of the, fifty-one, fifty-two percent of the population. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I have a I have a young stepdaughter myself and yeah, this is it certainly has never you know, not totally been on my radar before and it's something that I think as a parent I really need to start thinking about a bit more as well. Mm-hmm. So and
0: really you know, important that, that our young ones all understand the menstrual cycle and the changes that are going on in their own bodies on a completely routine normal basis.
1: Yeah, more of this in high in schools.
0: Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um,
1: right. So, of course, you're going to be talking about this and more tonight uh, at Umbrellas, five thirty is the normal time. And mm-hmm. um, That's right. Yeah. Is there anything else that you you'll be touching on, or have I kind of? Co- you probably covered most of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, an absolute pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for your time this morning, Jane. Thank you for having yeah, me. It's been marvelous. It's been marvelous. So again, tonight, thirst for knowledge, uh, understanding endometriosis at Umbrella's Kitchen Bar from five thirty. Uh, it's always great. So get down there and um, listen to Jane and, and learn a little bit, and then hopefully um, flow that information forward uh, to your family and Farno. Um, thank you so much
0: once again, Jane. Thank you.